Lasting Love Podcast, presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love Podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana. I'm your host, and today we are doing part two of a series that I'm very excited about. It's called Quantum Questions for Life and Love. And the whole idea here is that I believe there are certain questions that when you ask them of yourself, and if you sit with them and meditate on them and sort of mull them over, that these questions can sort of catapult you into a deeper understanding of yourself and everything around you. That that they can sort of open you to a a new dimension. They can bring an aha. They can bring a new level of, of understanding that can significantly change your way of being in the world um, and just bring a better opportunities to, to connect with other people in the healthiest ways possible and to connect with yourself, right? Most of the questions in this series are, are going to help you with the most important relationship in your life, which is the one you have with yourself, right? We, we always think about relating with our children, our friends, our coworkers. We want to attract lasting love. We want to, we want to, you know, have an intimate partner. Um, and it's kind of, it's it's so easy to forget that the most important relationship, maybe the relationship that creates the possibility of something significant with anyone else is the one you have with yourself, right? We always hear, you know, you have to love yourself before you can love anyone else. But a lot of times we, we, we spend a lot of our time and effort and our, you know, our Googling and our YouTube things and reading books and talking to coaches and stuff. And it's all about the other relationship, the one you want to attract, (laughs) right? And maybe we don't spend enough time developing a deeply intimate relationship with ourselves, to where we we're in love with ourselves, we we know ourselves, we're with ourselves, and and so the more that we have that primary relationship is functioning in a healthy way, then I think we have the possibility of creating something with another human being. So these questions are are going to affect, of course, your ability to live life and relate with other people, but they really do start in that most important relationship, the one you have with yourself. And that was certainly true in part one. Right In part one, the question was, what's here now? And this was a question that was basically asking us to check in, to tune in and really discover our unarguable truth, our inner reality. 
what's here now? And we talked about identifying our body sensations and our emotions, our thoughts, and our wants. We talked about it being basic mindfulness. What is mindfulness? Well, it's paying attention. Paying attention to what? To what's here now? To what's going on inside of you? And we saw that the value of really knowing yourself and paying attention to your inner reality, it equips you with your your authentic experience. And when you know who you are and what you're experiencing, well, then you can reveal that to another person and create an authentic relationship, right? You, We all want the authentic relationship, right? We want the open, honest, transparent relationship. We don't want to play games. We don't want manipulation. We don't want half-truths and lies and deceptions and, you know, manipulation, all that stuff. We want an authentic open, honest relationship. Well, you you can't have that if you don't know your authentic experience because if you know your authentic experience, well, that is what you share with them. <laughs> that is how you have an authentic relationship. So you, you, can't, you can't create what you don't have in a sense. So the question, what's here now, sort of equips you to know your inner reality, and then with that, you could choose to share it with someone. And you are relating at the most authentic level possible. And we talked about how that that knowing your inner reality equips you to get out of drama and conflict and it helps create a healthy connection and so forth. So that was question number one, okay? Now, question number two, um, this one might sound too basic. Like, why is this a quantum question? Because the question is, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? And you might think like, um, why is that one a quantum question? I know what I'm feeling. Well, I would say, don't, don't, uh, don't, hold on a minute. <laughs> okay. Um Yes, on one level, you know, if I say, how you doing, how you feeling, you could say, I'm okay, or, you know, I'm feeling a little anxious about something, or, um, you know, I feel pretty calm, right? Yeah, okay, I'm not saying you don't have a general idea of what you're feeling, but I'm saying this question is, is deeper and more complicated than, you, than what you might think, because first of all, Some people, when you ask them what they're feeling, they don't always know. They they sometimes get a a a a blank response when they sort of ask themselves, "What am I feeling?" That they don't really know. They they can't verbalize it. They can't really identify it. There, some of us are are kind of disconnected from our bodies. If we say, you know, what are you thinking or what are your opinions or beliefs or, oh, they know that. But a lot of us live in our heads and we're sort of disconnected from our bodies. There's that mind-body split. Now that sometimes can mean 
that a person really doesn't know what they're feeling. It's like you could ask someone, what are you feeling? They're like, I don't even understand the question. I'm okay, I guess. I mean, right? So some people have a hard time um, identifying their feelings. But also a lot of people think they know what they feel. But there might be something deeper underneath it that they're not aware of. Or they might be feeling something that they they can't get in touch with because it's not in their awareness. In other words, have you ever heard of something called repression or suppression? Have you heard of the idea that you might have grown up in certain environments where some feelings were not acceptable, they were not allowed, and that you perhaps have disowned some feelings, sort of pushed them away. Because in your childhood, if you felt that feeling, expressed that feeling, you might have gotten in trouble, you might have gotten punished, you might have been ignored or dismissed. And so there are some people, and I would say the vast majority of people, have probably repressed some feelings that they've disowned them because of the environments they grew up in. And so when you ask a person, what am I feeling? It's like they don't have the full gamut of feelings to choose from. They 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 can't access all the feelings. So they might be actually feeling something. They might be in the body somewhere. But because it's been disowned and repressed, they can't identify it. They can't choose it because sort of in their in their minds, that doesn't exist. So let me give you some examples of this. And you'll begin to see why this question is deeper and more profound than you might think. And that really being this answer, what am I feeling, can catapult you um, in terms of self-awareness and authenticity and reality. Because if you have repressed or disowned feelings, then you aren't living in reality. You're only living in a certain part that you find acceptable or that you think is acceptable. You don't have the wide range, right? You're cut off from certain things. So imagine a little girl growing up in a household where, you know, to her daddy, when she was sad or scared, you know, that was okay. He'd say, oh, baby, come over here. Sit on daddy's lap. Tell me, tell me why you're sad. Um, tell me what, what, what's making you scared. And, and so it was totally okay to feel scared or sad. But can you imagine an environment where the dad was not comfortable with anger, especially a woman's anger? Or a little girl's anger? Can you imagine a situation where that little girl might grow up and and be caught? Like, don't be such a bitch. 
you know, where it's not okay for a little girl to be angry, right? Little girls are supposed to be nice and sweet and, you know, be gentle and kind. And when you as a little girl showed your rage and your anger that you might have gotten in trouble for that or that your daddy didn't invite you to come sit on your lap and tell him why you feel so angry, that, in other words, anger wasn't okay in your background. You didn't get to feel connected to your mommy or daddy when you were angry. They didn't accept that. They didn't embrace that. They didn't welcome that. You got in trouble for it or ignored for it or punished for it or something. Now, you as a little girl, man, you want to be close to daddy, close to mommy. But since they can't handle that emotion, what do you do? Well, you're smart. You're brilliant. I'm not going to show that one because when I show that, I get in trouble or I get ignored. That's too painful. So I'll bury my anger. And now you're 40 years old and you can't set, you can't set boundaries. You, you have trouble saying no. And that it's like the only emotions you can feel are sadness and, and fear. You might be with your friends and something might have happened and, and you say, I just feel so angry about this. And yet tears are coming down your face. And your friends are like, you don't sound angry. (laughs) I know you say you're angry, but you look sad. Right? Well, it's because I've repressed anger. And it comes out only as sadness or fear. Now, this might be a little sexist and overgeneralizing. But in, in my experience... There's a lot of women who can express their sadness and their fear, but they have trouble expressing anger. It's like they don't have access to it. And they get taken advantage of. Or they don't set boundaries. Or they just don't have access to that energy that says no to something. Enough. Right? Every emotion that they feel comes out as sadness or fear. Now flip it around. Imagine a little boy growing up. Now very often for little boys, it's okay for little boys to be angry. Oh, look at him. He's, he's got an edge. He's, you know, he's strong. He's tough. It's very often boys can grow up in an environment where it's okay to be angry. But it's not okay to be sad or scared. Come on, big boys don't cry. Don't be such a pussy. Little scaredy cat. Right? So now imagine this little boy growing up who wants to be close to his mommy and daddy. But when he shows up and he's sad or he's scared, his dad says, you know, toughen up, kid. Go talk to your mother. You're such a, you're you're weak. Right, He gets rejected when he's feeling non-masculine, and I'm putting quotes around that, non-masculine feelings like sadness or fear. Okay, 
What's he going to do? Well, he's going to bury that. And so now he's 40 years old, and the only emotion he can feel is anger. Let me tell you something about guys. There's a good chance that when a man's angry, he's not actually angry. He might be hurt. He might be scared. But he doesn't have any access to that. So it all comes out as anger. Every emotion he has is anger. But he might not actually be angry underneath. But he's got no access to that. So now he's in a relationship and everything is anger. um, And it's not real. And it's never going to be... When you're not in touch with your deepest, most authentic feeling, the feeling you are showing isn't authentic and it will always create trouble and drama and discord and disconnect. So now this adult man, the only feeling he has is anger because he's repressed or disowned sadness or fear because they just weren't manly feelings. So you ask him what he's feeling, he's pissed. But maybe that's not what he's actually feeling. Now, we could talk about sexual feelings. Oh my Lord. You know, how many of us have grown up in environments that had really warped view of sexual feelings? You might have grown up in a really religious household that, I mean, to feel sexual feelings was bad and wrong. You know, you might have the Catholic guilt around that. You might have some other kind of religious upbringing where sex is bad and it's taboo and, and you know, you grow up disconnected from your sexuality Um, there's a lot of people that sometimes will tell me as clients, you know, I, I don't hardly ever feel chemistry with someone. I'm rarely attracted to anyone. Very often, that's because there's some repression of their sexual feelings. Because your sexual feelings is where attraction comes from. That That's what it is. But if, if, if that's been buried or repressed in some ways, well, you might find yourself not feeling turned on by people because you don't have that switch. <laughs> the switch isn't on. The switch is off and you're not feeling sexual feelings. There are many women who have very difficult time having orgasm, even just with themselves. That can be an aspect of repressed sexual feelings and sexuality. And there's a lot of us grow up with shame around our sex and our sexuality. And I'm not talking about just gay people or trans people. I'm talking about regular old straight people that have shame about their sexual desires and, and their, their interest and their sex drives and their sexual interest and you grew up in an environment where that stuff wasn't okay. It was bad. It was wrong. It was whatever. You know, when you, 
when you started to become sexually alive at whatever the age is, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, when your, your bodies and your hormones are starting, you might not have had parents that really welcome those feelings in you. When you were a 12 or 13 year old boy and you started to notice that, hey, that's a girl. Because <laughs> before that, everybody's kind of the same. But at some point, a little boy wakes up one morning and says, oh my God, that's a girl. And there's interest in her body and her breasts and little boys begin to want to look at pictures of girls. How many guys out there listening to me ever had their father sit down with them at 13 and maybe let's look at some pictures, son. Let, let's, you're having all this powerful energy in you come online, okay? And that energy is beautiful and it's wonderful and it's essential for life. But if it's misused, it can be dangerous to you, to others. And let's just be honest about our attraction to women. And yeah, dad might say, I love looking at girls' breasts, and so do you. It's not bad. It's not wrong. There are appropriate ways to do it. There are inappropriate ways. And I can just tell you, I never had those kind of conversations. My sexuality came online around 12 or 13, as most people do, and I was obsessed with women. And no one sat down and talked to me about those feelings. When I got caught with some pictures of girls, I got made fun of by my sisters. Um, I got punished. There, I'll give you a story from my life. I think I was like 13 years old. We had a, we had a pool. in, in uh, I, I grew up in Franklin Park, Illinois. And there was a, a pool there. And it had men's and women's bathrooms. And me and my friends... Um, we used to get up on the on our bicycle seats, lean them against the wall of the building and get up real high and be able to look in a window that looked down into the women's bathroom. Okay? I'm a 13-year-old. I want to see naked girls. Right? And I got caught. And I, of course, lost my pool pass and my pool privileges for the summer. I got caught looking through a window into the girls' locker room at the pool. Okay. I went home and what happened? Did my dad sit down with me and say, son, I know your mother is going to be really angry at you and, 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 and I get it. But son, I know, man, I get it, man. You want to look at girls. I do too. I look at girls. I look at magazines. I look at videos. Okay, son, between me and you, it's just your sexuality you find, you're finding them intriguing. You're, you, you feel that energy in your body when you see a naked girl and you're interested in that. I get it, man. I totally get it. Now, that ain't the way to do it because you're disrespecting the woman. She doesn't have a choice in letting her see your body. You, you, went, you went around her choice. So that's a misuse of your sexual energy. Your sexuality isn't bad. There are just appropriate and healthy ways to be with it. So, son, let's talk about this. Because I'm a guy and you're a guy and you need to have an appropriate relationship 
with your sexuality. That never happened to me. Okay. My dad took a belt out when I came home and he pulled my pants down and bent me over the bed and he whipped the shit out of me. Okay. That's what happened to me. I got punished for doing that. Now, what's weird is I remember years later, I might've been in my, my late twenties and I brought that up to my dad. I was angry that he, that he treated me that way. I remember bringing that up with him one time and through the discussion, I found out later after he whipped me in the bedroom, okay, and he was crying when he did it, which is interesting, okay, um, I later found out that he went back in the kitchen to my mother and he said something like, you know, that's my son, that's my boy, right? Like, he was sort of proud of me. I, I, he... he he wasn't angry at me. Um, he he understood, right? And, he, and, and now I'm 28, 29 years old. My dad tells me that. And now I'm really angry because that whipping was something I think he thought he was supposed to do. But he was crying. He was sad that he was doing it because something in him knew that this was not the way to respond to this, Right? So he's whipping me, and then two minutes later, he's out there kind of joking with my mom. Hey, that's, that's my boy. You know, Maybe he was afraid I was going to be gay or something. I don't know. But it's, it was fucked up is what I'm telling you. And, and my relationship with my sexuality has been fucked up my whole life. I've been obsessed with my dick and with women. And if you've read any of my books, you know some of my escapades. Okay. So all I'm trying to make the point here is that what am I feeling? Well, that question might depend on how were you raised? What have your experiences been? Because it's so easy to repress feelings, to disown parts of ourselves. Little girls have sexual feelings. But little girls are called sluts and whores if they're interested in sex. While, while young men, hey, he's a stud, man. He's a stud. He's, he's getting busy. You see these double standards? And, and, and it affects our psyche. It affects our, our access to our feelings. Because somehow for a girl to be sexually active is bad. To have sexual feelings, to want to act on them is bad. Oh, well, for a young 15-year-old, oh, that's my boy. He's banging chicks, okay? Do Do you see the messages here that can cause us to repress and have warped relationships with our own feelings so that then when you're older and you say, what am I feeling? You might think you know what you're feeling, but maybe you don't. Because you can only choose a feeling that you have access to. If it's repressed, by definition, you can't... If if anger is repressed, by definition, you can't say, I'm angry. Because it's repressed. It's going to come out as sadness or fear or sexual feelings. A lot of men's sexual feelings are probably repressed anger. I I think that's almost obvious. 
Okay, so do I have your attention now about this thing? Like, what am I feeling? Now, it's beyond the scope of this podcast to get into what do I do if I've repressed something, okay? Um, but I'll just give you a beautiful inquiry question that, I, that I'm learning um, from Scott Killaby. You, you'll know in a previous podcast, I interviewed Scott. Um, he's a pretty enlightened dude, um, and he does a lot of work around repression And the question that they use in inquiry is for you to simply sit quietly and sort of close your eyes and kind of, you know, take some deep breaths and get get as quiet on the inside as you can, okay? Um, And to be in that kind of meditative space and ask yourself the question in regards to your family of origin. Usually they start there. Mommy, daddy, the, the, the family you grew up in when you were little. What feeling was I not able to feel or express to my parents? What feeling was I not able to feel or express to my parents? And something's going to pop up in you. Well, I couldn't express anger. I couldn't express my sexuality. I couldn't express sadness or fear or being scared. Or if, if, if you grew up and you were not able to openly and consistently feel a feeling and express it at your parents, and anger is one of the ones that disown the most, How many of us were in an environment where we could feel angry about our parents and really express it and have it be heard and welcomed? Most of us just got our butts spanked. Don't you speak to your father that way. Right? Whatever feeling came up in you when you asked yourself that question just now, chances are you've repressed that feeling. Now, repression doesn't mean you never feel it, but it's sort of, it's sort of disowned. You, you, you don't really have access to it in a healthy way. And then whatever feelings you do have will come out warped. Because here's the thing about feelings. When you block one feeling, when you repress one feeling, it really impacts the expression and experience of all of them. It's like your, your insides are like a hose, like a garden hose. If you kink the hose, the water doesn't flow or it flows to a trickle, right? When you block an emotion, when you repress an emotion, when something's cut off, your hose is kinked and it affects the flow of all of them. And this is why sometimes you're 30, 40, 50, 60 years old and you're sort of monotone in your experience. You're sort of maybe boring. You're sort of um, even keel to a fault. You have kind of a flatlined um, expression, right? Just, just no ups, no downs. You, you, you don't have the, the variety. It's like picture up a, a piano and all the keys, 
it's like the only, you, you only play one key in the middle. Beep, beep, beep. Right? You don't, you don't have access to all the keys to make beautiful music. So, so when we say, what am I feeling? You might say, I know what I'm feeling, but you might not know that you only have access to a couple of the keys. There's 88 keys in a normal keyboard, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there's 88 different sounds. Right? You might only have access to a couple of them. And so you think you know what you're feeling. And in a sense, you're right because you only know about these feelings. And to you, that feels like all of them. I know what I'm feeling, but you don't know that you don't even have the choice to be feeling other feelings because they've been disowned. So to be a real person and, and to connect in a relationship and, and to have it be a healthy, you've got you've, you've to have access to all the keys on the piano, <laughs> right? Otherwise, you, you can't play beautiful music. So that's what this question's getting at. What am I feeling? Or what feelings have I disowned that I need to recapture and get back? Now, let me just give you a little bit of um, training on feelings themselves. Okay? We could literally list hundreds of words that are feelings, you could say. Um, But most of the experts say that there's either three, just three core feelings, or maybe five. Okay? Everybody at least agrees on the three, which are anger, sadness, and fear. Anger, sad, scared. Okay? It's like the primary colors. Aren't the primary colors of red, yellow, blue, or green? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know colors. I do know feelings. <laughs> and the, the three primary ones are anger, sadness, and scared. Okay? Now, most people include like sexual feelings as a separate category. Okay? I think that's fair. I don't when you when you feel sexual feelings, I don't see how you could take a combination of those three and make the color of sexual out of them. I, I think they're sort of their it's a separate category or sexual feelings. And then we would also say joy or quote unquote good feelings are also a category. So joyful feelings could be anything from you feel calm and centered and grounded to you're enthusiastic and excited and just, woo, you know, I mean, that, that's all in the category we might say joyful feelings from that quiet, calm, centered, grounded thing to really exuberant and excited, okay, joyful. So there's joyful. There's the sexual feelings. And then there's anger, sad, scared. Those are the five primary feelings. And, and sort of each one of them, picture those as five different trunks of a giant tree with hundreds of branches. Okay? So take anger uh, as an example. Um, 
anger is the trunk. And so there's lots of branches on the anger tree, which might be called annoyance, frustration, irritation, or rage. You know, just being pissed off. That when, when, when someone says, I'm feeling frustrated or I'm just annoyed, they're angry. Okay? Maybe they're not raging angry. There are degrees of anger, right? You can be a little miffed, a little pissed off, and you can be just seeing red. Okay? But they're all in the anger family. So when you're irritated, no, you're angry. Okay? Now, same way with like sadness. You can be a little down, a little blue, feel a little low, or you can you can be grieving and sobbing, um, right? So you can be a little disappointed or discouraged, right? So all those words, they're all in the sad category. So if you're feeling a little down, no, you're sad. Sometimes we don't like to use that word because it's it feels too powerful. It feels like it's, it's saying more than I actually feel. But again, in sadness, there's a spectrum of sad feelings. You could be in just unbelievable grief, the death of a loved one, you know, or you could be disappointed that it's raining uh, on a day you want to play golf. Oh, man, I'm bummed out. I wanted to play. You follow me? I'm sad. Okay? There's something beneficial to just say the word and not... You know, like with anger, there's something beneficial. I'm not saying I'm a little irritated. I'm just so frustrated with that. Um, you know, and just say, you know what? I'm angry. There's something freeing to not use any euphemism <laughs> and just, just say, I'm angry. I'm sad or I'm scared, right? Now, scared, that could be anything from, I feel a little tension, a little, some anxiety, a little worry, um, but it could be terrified, could be panic attack, right? So there's a big giant spectrum of scared feelings. You could be nervous. What, what nervous isn't nervous? Nervous is you're scared. You know, right? I mean, so sometimes it's just really beneficial when you feel a little anxious, a little bit nervous, going on a first date, to just say, you know, I feel scared. Boom. You know. I'm real. That's just, I'm scared. It doesn't mean you're terrified to the point you can't move. You're like a deer in the headlights and you're so terrified you're locked up. That's a form of fear too, right? So it's important to, to, to know the five core feelings because when you're going to say, what am I feeling? You want to be able to identify your category and be able to land on it. I feel angry. I feel sexual. I feel joyful. I feel scared, sad. Right now, we've talked about certain things being repressed. Certain feelings weren't okay. It's not okay for little girls to be angry or little boys to be scared. And so sometimes we have a substitute feeling that goes in its place. So is there a technique to sort of know what you're actually feeling if maybe something is repressed or blocked or 
you have some sort of judgment or shame around a certain feeling? And the answer is yes. And here's where we get back to this idea that most of us live in our heads. You know, we, we ask them, what are you feeling? And they're going to tell you a thought. How are you feeling? I'm tired. Well, tired is kind of a sensation um, and a thought. It's tired and a feeling. <laughs> you know, um, it, 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 it's a sensation. It's, a, it's a, a sensation in the body, but tired is not angry necessarily or sad or scared or sexual or joyful. Um, and by the way, some words we use for feelings, they sort of are feelings, but they're, they're more thought-based um, interpretations of feelings. Like take loneliness. I mean, loneliness, there is a feeling tone to loneliness, right? I would say loneliness is a combination of sadness and scared. When we're lonely, it, it's a down feeling. There's a, a sadness but I think loneliness is also perhaps there's some fear there. Like I'm not going to meet someone. Like this isn't going to change. I'm going to continue to be lonely. There's, there's a fear. Right? Like think about loneliness. If you knew a month from now you would meet the love of your life. Would, would you be that lonely today? Right? Right? So loneliness, I think loneliness is sort of strengthened by fear. It's like I'm never going to meet someone or I don't know how or where. I'm confused. It's, I, I'm, I'm lost. I, I don't feel – I feel hopeless. Hopeless is fear. It's not a feeling. Or, or hopeless is a label for feeling. Loneliness is a label for sad and scared. Bored is a label, I think, for anger and probably sadness. When you're bored, there's, there's, the, there's an anger underneath it. Nothing, nothing, if you get in touch with it, it's, it's deeper, right? So, um, so there's a lot of words we throw around. Stressed out, I think, is a combination of anger and fear. You know, I'm stressed. I got so much to do. Damn it. Fuck. You know, I'm overwhelmed and, and there's an anger and, and overwhelm and stress. And then there's a fear of like, I'm not going to get it done. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to miss a deadline or I, I just, uh, this is never going to change. I'm just, the life sucks. So it's a combination of a fear of a future and an anger. You follow me? So it's important when you say, what am I feeling to not go with just these labels that are up in your head. But to go into the body and find, find the real feelings that can be sort of joining together to produce that label that you came up with, whether it's boredom or disappointment or uh, loneliness or stress. Okay? So again, we live in our heads. And our heads are, are where all of our shit is stored, right? All, all of the the goofy messages from our childhood about feelings and you know all that stuff is in our heads and so therefore if you sort of ask your head what are you feeling it's it's going to answer through the fog of all the junk that's in your head all your memories and uh the the things that happened to you and things you were taught and you know the the ways your families weren't very 
they were dysfunctional around certain feelings. So your head's all full of that junk. So it's like if you ask your head, what are you feeling? Your, your head, it's going to come up with some warped view of something. But the body is sort of more pure in a sense. If you go into the body, there's a wisdom down there that is not as warped as your head is. I'm not saying there isn't some warpedness in your body. Um, but there's, a, a, I think, a, a more accurate wisdom there. So when you want to know what you're feeling, sometimes you might not know in, in your head because of your background and repression and different things. But if you ask your body, what am I feeling? You might get a, a better answer. And so now let me briefly just walk you through those five primary feelings. They show up in certain regions of the body. Okay? So like when we talked in question number one, what's here now and you did body sensations? Well, when sensations are showing up in certain parts of the body, you can almost bank on if they are happening in a certain region that it's pointing to a certain feeling. Okay? There are locations in the body when you're having sensations that mean you are feeling something certain. Okay? So if you have lots of feelings around your genital areas, your lips, your mouth, okay, it's a pretty good chance you're horny. Okay? <laughs> you follow me? So sometimes you might not know, am I, am I sexual? But if you tune into your body and, and you, you feel energy around your genitals and around your lips your mouth, your tongue. Um, yeah, you're turned on. Okay. How many of us haven't seen someone really sexy or seen a sexy image and feel you, this, as they say on the big bang theory, there is stirring in my loins. <laughs> it's my favorite sitcom. Okay. So there's that one, but anger a lot of times is repressed by us. But in the body, when anger is occurring, you will usually feel sensations in your back and your shoulders, your neck, your jaw, and your fists. Okay? When you do a check-in, when you're saying, what's here now? And you're like, man, I feel a lot of tightness and pain in my upper back. My jaw feels stiff. Okay, there's a good chance you're angry. No, I'm not angry. No, now, you might argue with that you, because in your head, it's not okay to feel anger. You know, it's, it, this is a repressed feeling, but your body isn't repressed. See, it's down there. And so when you're feeling something, your body is going to tell you if you know where to look. And you're looking for sensations. You're scanning your body. This is why people say, you're such a pain in the neck. There's something in our consciousness that recognizes that that's where anger is being stored in the body. And when you feel sensations and tightness and contraction and pressure or pain in your back, your neck, your shoulders, your jaw, there's a good chance, even though you don't think you're angry, you are. You might have tears streaming down your face and you're crying with your friend, but your back is in pain and it's all tight. And I would say, are you angry? 
Can you open up to that? Can you allow yourself to feel anger? Now, here's another thing that's fascinating. When we store these feelings in our bodies and we are repressing them and we're not able to experience them and express them in a healthy way, those feelings like anger get trapped in our back and we can have physical symptoms. I'm here to tell you that most people that have back problems, neck, shoulder issues, are probably people who have repressed anger for decades. And it's trapped in there and it's causing problems in their back. Okay? So, when you tune into your body and you notice that there's a lot of action in your stomach, in your solar plexus, there's tightness, there's quiveredness, there's, you know, like jumping around in there and, and it's doing somersaults and there's pressure and you're probably scared. The stomach and solar plexus are where we hold fear in our bodies. Now, you might be disconnected from fear. You weren't allowed to be afraid as a little boy. You had to be strong. You had to be tough. And yet you have ulcers. And yet you've got digestive problems. Perhaps you carry a lot of weight around your stomach. This is why people will say when they're scared or nervous, oh, I've got butterflies in my stomach. So what am I feeling? Well, go into the body and watch the sensations. Look for sensations. And if there's a lot of action in the stomach solar plexus, even though you might say, I'm not scared, I'm not nervous about something. Yeah, you are. (laughs) Your body's telling you. Your head might not allow you to admit it because it's been repressed or it's shamed or it's wrong or you got all kinds of thoughts and beliefs about being scared. Oh, no, I trust God. God's in control, so I'm just never scared of anything. And yet your stomach is in knots. It's tight. It's got medical, physical problems. No, you're scared. Okay? Now, sadness often shows up around the heart and the throat and, of course, behind the eyes. This is why we say, I've got a broken heart or I'm all choked up. So if you're feeling heaviness and pressure in the chest, if you're feeling kind of like you can't breathe out of your throat, like you can't swallow, you feel tightness in your, in your throat area, or there's, there's energy, pressure, heaviness in your chest, throat, you're probably sad. No, I'm not sad. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm good. And yet you've, got issues with your throat or your breathing or you see what I'm saying? The body has a wisdom there. Now, joy is normally a a sensation of kind of a, a tingling sensation all over the body. And it's kind of like a, it's like it has more of an all over the body, like rushing upward feeling like a geyser. You know, like Old Faithful in Yellowstone, it, ex- it explodes upward. This is why when your, your favorite team scores a touchdown, you stand up and you throw your arms over your head. Yeah! Right? You're celebrating, you're joyful, and the energy moves up and out the top of your head in kind of a way. Okay? Now, some, some people can't really access their happiness or their joy. It's like um, you might have grown up in a home where 
you know, being really happy and joyful was not really allowed. Believe it or not. You know, you got to damper it down because daddy was so depressed or mommy was so upset about this or that that you weren't allowed to be happy. You weren't allowed to celebrate. You weren't allowed to laugh and be joyful because, you know, it just hurt other people. It's like a tall poppy syndrome. You, you weren't allowed to expand and to, to feel the, all the fun because everybody else was so dark or negative that, you know, you weren't allowed to do that. You were shut down. So now you're older and you have a difficult time receiving compliments, celebrating people's, right? People have, they have a hard time hearing praise. They have a hard time hearing compliments. I think that's because there's a disowned part of their ability to experience joy, to just be alive in the happiness and the fullness of who they are. And when someone says something to you, it's like you can't take it in because you're not allowed to feel good. You're not allowed to feel joy and openness and celebration, right? So do you see how warped we can be with our feelings because of our experiences and our past conditioning? So what am I feeling is such a quantum question. What am I really feeling? What's here now in terms of my, my real feeling? And so I just invite you to sit with this feeling, with this question, I mean, to sit with it. What am I feeling? And go into your body and notice the sensations and do nothing else other than just admit that you feel something. That might be a huge step for you. Oh, it's 1130 in the morning and I feel scared because my stomach is in knots. Just welcome that. Just admit it. Just allow it to be there. Don't do anything with it. Just, this is what I'm feeling. Just be in a proper relationship with yourself. I know what I feel. I'm not repressing that. I know from my history, because I asked myself that question, what feeling was I not allowed to feel? What emotion was I not allowed to feel or express? In my home. Hmm. So part of your journey is to bring that feeling back online. To allow yourself to feel it. There is so much evidence right now that people who have chronic pain, chronic illness, it's tied to emotional repression. And that the more that they bring these feelings online and be able to welcome them and not resist them, to befriend them, to embrace them, to allow them, to admit that they're there, all of a sudden people's chronic pain and illness begins to evaporate. Look into this. I would recommend going to Killaby.com and look around Scott Killaby's website. He's got a member side. He's got a free side. He's not very expensive. If you feel like you've got a lot of emotional repression, stuff that's buried and disowned, um, well, I can work with you on that for sure. But I would also give you another resource uh, of, of Killaby.com. 
to help you bring everything back on so that you can play the piano and use all the keys because you can't make beautiful music with a handful of keys. I'm sorry, Beethoven couldn't even do it, (laughs) right? Beethoven and Mozart and all these guys, they used all the keys to make their beautiful symphonies and sonatas and so forth. And you can't make a beautiful life without access to all the keys. You got to have the sexual and the joyful and you got to have access to your anger so you can say no. You got to have access to your sadness, to your fear, you know, to be a complete, whole, healthy person. Then, then, then you have this beautiful being to, to give to someone else because you have this relationship with yourself It's like, now I have something to offer. I have something to give you. I love me. I have access to all the parts of me. I'm I'm present. When I say what's here now, I I can allow myself to feel whatever it is. It's okay. I can express all of my feelings. I'm not afraid to express anger at my partner. I'm not afraid as a man to tell my wife I feel scared. Or I'm sad because I want to be strong and be manly. God, God is that garbage, right? So that's the second question. What am I feeling? So, so far, the two quantum questions have been, what's here now? And what am I feeling? you sit with and you regularly ask yourself those questions and your life is going to take a quantum leap along with your love life. So until next time, bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.